0: You can text in to our uh, text line, text guest. if you're new. Uh, you'll get a bunch of uh, little texts just kind of welcome you, telling you a little bit more about City Church. And then uh, uh, right now we're going to take our tithes and offerings. Uh, if you want to give, you can text give. I know that's a tough one, but you can text give to our text line. Or if you got the app, or if you want to send in the old-fashioned way of the check, you can do that. Um, you could bring some wheat to the office, and I'm sure Julie will find a way to actually bring that in. But God, right now we just pray for our tithes and offerings, Lord, that you would help us to use them wisely for your kingdom and for your mission. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I got a couple announcements. The diaper drive is going on. You saw the, yes, exactly. Nancy is excited about the diaper drive. So it is going on out in the lobby. Bring some diapers in. Empty preferably, like we don't want any full diapers. I know some of you parents are like, uh, you know, I could get rid of these. Uh, so we want empty diapers. Uh, it's for CareNet. Uh, it's to really uh, help out uh, young mothers. Uh, the other thing we have is small group season is upon us small groups actually start this week so if you haven't signed up for one you can go to the website you can sign up you can find a leader and sign up there's little booklets uh floating around somewhere uh and you can look in them and sign up if you don't know which one you want to do you can talk with cassie uh where's cassie oh she's not here this morning uh they're coming back into town uh today but uh um or you can talk to really any small group leader, and they'll kind of help you figure out which is the right small group leader for you, or small group for you. They're on the west side, they're on the east side, uh, we even have one in the valley. Uh, so it's a great place to have community, uh, open yourselves up uh, into other people's lives, and, and really serve. Uh, right now, I want to introduce Pastor Doug Lassett. Uh, he pastors Pearl Church in uh, Denver, Colorado. Uh, how long have you been up there? 10 years, he's been up there 10 years, came out of kind of uh, the Portland area, uh, knows Pastor Jess Strickland, Pastor Steve, that kind of that whole group there. Doug is a pastor of pastors uh, and a super energetic guy. I've loved getting to know Doug even more over the last couple of weeks, but uh, Doug just really has a word that he wants to share uh, with us. And so let's just welcome Doug. He is awesome.
1: Okay, let's talk about diaper drives for a minute. <laughs> Genius, by the way. Uh, my wife and I, one time, we, we actually sat down when my kids were a little older, and we calculated how much money we spent on diapers, and we realized that we would be rich people if we would have had an, an answer for, for that issue, okay? Also, thank you for being here today. And I want to thank this gentleman right over here for having a Broncos jersey. Uh, I just feel like we are in the will of God this morning. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Uh, I'm a little disappointed in everybody else, but it's okay. It's, it's all right. I, I saw you, and my, my spirits were lifted, okay? Uh, tomorrow's a big day, right, for the Broncos, so we have a new quarterback. Um, I'm from the Northwest originally. Uh, my first pastor was a guy named Dick Iverson, and then I worked under another pastor, Frank DiMazio, for 20 years. Um, the Northwest is not very happy with us right now. Because we took Russell Wilson, now, I know if you're not a if you're not a football fan, if you're not a football fan, I don't know what to compare that to. Um, we basically stole their golden child, and I I don't feel bad. I'm not repentant. I'm not I'm not upset. I, it's hard for me to not make jokes with them, but I, I but they take it so seriously. It's almost like, it's like if I make too many jokes about it, it's almost like they lose their Christianity a little bit. So I I have to be so people take football very seriously. Anyways. I am very glad to be here today, and uh, I want to thank you for being here and for anyone listening online today. Uh, if you're visiting today, or maybe you don't know what today is all about, today is uh, today's quite a day. Okay, now if I'm a little out of breath, um, I forget that you guys are at elevation as well. Uh, at home, I, I, I kind of I'm an asthmatic, so I kind of kind of chill out. I came running in here, and I thought I, I realized, oh yeah, you guys are a mile high as well. So I'm just catching my, my breath back. But today today is a is a good day. Can, can I hear an amen? All right, today's a good day. I if, if you don't know what's going on, I am here for a reason and for a purpose. I have been here before. Um, I've preached here a couple of times over the years, and of course, I've been really close friends with Pastor Matt. Matt and Amber have been really good friends um, with my wife and I for many, many years. Uh, we were actually youth pastors at the same time. So we first met in youth ministry, and Matt would uh, come out and join us for youth stuff. And then we were lead pastors at the same time. Uh, and I would come out here, and I've done some stuff with youth out here and hung out with Matt, and he, he introduced me to, to real salsa, uh, actual, actual salsa. Um, he loved to drive me around the city and feed me and send me home fatter than when I came, okay? Um, we've had a really great friendship, a really close friendship. And uh, longer than I can remember, actually, the only person that I've known longer would be his father who is here today, Pastor Steve Williams. And I want to just, can we welcome Pastor Steve, father of the house? Um, of course, I I only know I knew Steve back then because he would come to presbyteries and I would see him prophesying over people, and that was even that was even back in the day when I before I really knew what prophecy was. You know, I got saved, and then here were all these mind readers that you know that were reading people's minds on the platform in Bible Temple. You know, and I I remember in those days uh, thinking, man, I don't know, I don't know, something's going on in this place. You know, there's something happening here. And, Long story, and I I already feel myself rabbit trailing, so I'm going to come back. If my wife was here, she'd say, stay focused. Okay, Um, but yeah, Pastor Steve and his prophetic words. Every single Saturday night for almost four years, I believe, every Saturday night, Pastor Steve texts me an encouraging text. Um, He texts me every Saturday without fail. Uh, and sometimes those texts have been so instrumental on my Sunday mornings. There's even been times, I know this is going to be hard for you to believe, but there are some days I get up on Sunday and not even sure what I'm going to preach. So I just preach his text messages. (laughs) That is not, that is not a lie. I have literally, I have literally taken his text message in the morning and preached it on a Sunday, I think at least twice. Uh, and I know that you you probably think every pastor is totally, completely prepared every Sunday their whole life, and, and nothing ever goes wrong. Okay, so, but there have been times where that's been very meaningful. So I want to say publicly, uh, Pastor Steve, thank you for your encouragement, honestly, because there was a, and you know this, there was a lot of transitions in our life over the last few years, and you have been a steady, consistent voice of encouragement. So thank you very, very much. We love you, okay? But I'm here today uh, as... Um, Requested by the church to talk about Pastor Matt and Amber. Uh, Matt and Amber will be stepping down officially uh, this morning. I guess technically this week, but stepping down as the lead pastors. And I want to talk about that for a little while. Um, there's. <clears throat> I'll try to weave in some technical church stuff and then a, then some some scripture. And then a little bit about the actual transition itself. But in the church, uh, according to your constitution and bylaws, uh, churches are like businesses and nonprofits. You know, they have to have some legal documents that kind of carry you through. And I'll tell you something. Nobody ever reads those. Am I right, Jeff? Literally, no one ever reads them until you need them. And it's, it's when you need them that they become really important. So in your constitution and bylaws, there are two groups of leaders in the church. There are the elders of the church. Uh, and if you're an elder today, if you're an elder in the church, would you please stand? Because I just want to thank you for your faithfulness. And oh, I don't know. I think, there's, I think they're all here today. I'm not sure. Uh, any board, board members? Yeah, the board members. I've met a couple. of. There you go. Yeah, okay. It's a couple of the board members. Stand up, please. Um, okay, you can be seated, but thank you guys for your incredible work. So there's the elders and the board members, and then there's another group. That group is what's called the overseers, okay? Now, there's a couple of Greek words that kind of float around out there. Forget all the Greek words for all you theologians. You have, you have two groups of leaders. The second group of leaders are the overseers, and the overseers, um, I'm one of those. And we were created for moments just like this. This is why there are overseers. The overseers are a group of people um, that includes church leaders, but then also other pastors from churches that you're in relationship with. So that in a time of transition, people who have experience, people who love the house, people who love your past, people can come in and sit down and help to... Uh, navigate some of these transitions that take place in the course of a church, so I am one of those overseers, and that it's not it 's not that i wouldn 't come anyways because I love you already okay so we 're good but i I am honored to be a part of this process. this is not difficult for me it 's not a it 's not a burden for me or my wife um, my wife couldn 't be here this morning she is going to fly in after church today um because she 's on her way home from another trip, so she just it's going to plop down at Albuquerque for a few hours uh, for dinner tonight. But this is not a burden for me. Uh, I'm, I'm blessed to be here. So those two groups of people uh, working together in times of transition. Okay, so we're in a time of transition. And uh, transitions, as you all know, because I think, I think that many of you have probably been through some transitions. You know, as you get older in life, You go through transitions, you you understand them a little bit, right? You may not understand them in your 20s, because when you're in your 20s, the only transitions that you might know is that your bills went from hundreds to thousands, and it's a real bummer, you know? That's a transition. But as you go forward in life, there are life transitions, and transitions are actually a part of a journey. They're not just a singular event. Transitions are a part of a larger journey, especially when you talk about God's people, Okay, so what I'm going to do today is I'm going to call this this message transitions matter to God. Okay, transitions matter to God. And I'm going to talk about the transition journey. Now, I literally was texting all my points to Jeff this morning, so I'm sure. Thank you very much. Oh, look at this. This is so good. Can I share something with you? This little short bottle right here is what every pastor prays that they would have on the platform because if you're a preacher and you have the big bottle, you get distracted through your whole message that it's going to tip over, right? So I just feel so blessed right now. I know I got a jersey and I got a short little <laughs> that won't tip over. Okay, so this this journey that we're on together, especially when it comes to the house of God and God's people, I want to talk about it just for a little bit. And I can't get too deep. I can't go too deep into some of the stories in the scriptures, but I want to talk about that transition journey because transitions matter to God. They really do. They matter to God. All kinds of transitions. When a young person transitions into college, that matters to God. When a, when a single person gets married, that transition is important to God. God cares about those things. Uh, all through the Bible, from the beginning to the end, it is literally filled with Transitions. Transitions sometimes can be scary, but they don't really need to be scary. Because when you look at scripture, you realize that God has been doing transitions from the, since the beginning of time. The Old Testament and the New Testament is a transition. Then you look at people's lives in the Bible, characters in the Bible, and you, you see their transitions. So I'm going to talk about that, okay? And we're just going to jump into this. Number one, transitions um, are a part of the journey, transitions are a part of the journey no season lasts forever and this is a hard one because when you're in it when you're in a season and it's going well you want it to last forever you know it's like it's, I, I've been through at least five major transitions in my life in ministry and right before those transitions happened I wanted them to last forever And I thought they were going to last forever because they always ended on a note where I was like, man, I could do this for another 10 years and things are going so well and God's good, but you know, my life is not my own. It's not. And the church doesn't belong to any one person. The church belongs to Jesus. It's his house and he's building it, right? And so we know that transitions happen and they're good. They're a part of the journey. Uh, I think of Romans chapter 8, verse 28, a very familiar verse to probably most of you. And we know that in all things, now here, here we go, I want you to say out loud with me, all things. Okay, let's say it again, all things. I love that because we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. Now, how many of you believe that the church has been called according to the purposes of God? Do you believe that this morning? Okay, so if you believe that you are called according to the purposes of God, that means that all things, that includes this transition. It includes transition. God works transitions for the good of those who believe that they're called according to his purpose. We know that God's God's in it. You're going to be in a transition time, and I'm going to talk about a little bit about that at the end. But it is, a, it is going to be a time where uh, Pastor Matt and Amber are going to be stepping down, and there will be a transition season, okay? How long that season is, we're not exactly sure, uh, but you have a great group of leaders that are going to help you through this, but transitions are okay. Number two, pastors, the pastor's journey. Wow, you guys, aren't you glad that the last three years is just kind of over, you know? There was a pandemic or something that happened, I don't remember. Um, I don't remember because last time I came to Albuquerque, none of you were wearing masks and they were taking me to jail. So, um, you know, I, it was a hard season. It was a hard season, and I want to be really honest and transparent with you because I think that Matt and Amber have also dealt with some of this. The last three years have been the three hardest years of my wife and I of our lives, and people look at us from the outside, and they tend to think that everything's good, you know, even during the the pandemic, everything's going to be okay, you guys are going to make it, but internally, I want you to know the last three years have been the hardest three years of our lives. In 33 years of ministry, 33 years of ministry. Now, I know I don't look that old, um, and that's why I keep the lights low. Because it, low lights, and especially if I could get like 50 feet between us, I lose 10 years, okay? Um, but I'm telling you, it was, it was rough. In 33 years of ministry, I have never one time, not one time in my marriage, not one time in the church, have I ever got up in the morning and said, you know what, I think I'm going to quit. And just about 18 months ago, I got out of bed one day, looked at my wife in the eyes, and I said, sweetheart, I love you, but I don't know if I can make it through this. And I told her, I said, I I woke up this morning thinking about quitting as a pastor for the first time in my life. Now, I tell you this story because what pastors have gone through in the last three years is really unprecedented. And I wish that the world would just kind of wake up one day and realize that pastors are people too. Come on, somebody, right? It's like we're not supposed to have thoughts, opinions, or emotions. They want us to just serve and be robots for them. And and then when something goes wrong, we get blamed for everything. You know what I mean? In our church, I had people way over here on this side of all the issues. They were mad at me. And I had people way over here on this side of the issues, and they're all mad at me, right? And I'm in the middle. And then you wake up one day and you go, yeah, okay, I get it, Jesus, the person in the middle always gets crucified. Crucify me. Here we go. Okay? So, so there it has been a rough, it's been a rough season. It really has. This is a statistic you probably haven't heard yet because they're still being developed. But almost, actually, it's, it's a little more than this, actually. One seventh of all the churches in the United States of America have closed in the last 36 months. One seventh. It's actually more closer to one-sixth. So it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 75,000 churches have closed their doors in the last three years. Now, a lot of those were uh, because of money issues, like churches have mortgages. Have have any of you ever heard of a mortgage? I don't know if that's something that any of us have ever had to deal with. Churches have mortgages. Um, And some of the banks began to publish what was going on uh, with churches because they were taking building backs. They've taken back Tens of thousands of churches um, because people couldn't pay the bills because people didn't go to church. And in the Christian church, only about 7% on a good day, 7% of people actually tithe and give in the Protestant kind of church that we would be used to. And churches have been through it. It's been a lot. Pastors have been beat up. Pastors have uh, have been talked about. And there's another side to this too, okay? Another side to this is like there's been a lot of purging in the church. Have you noticed that? Have you seen it? And this is a hard one to talk about, right? So, and I, I can't get too deep into this because I feel like I, I'm one of those guys, I feel like I have to unpack everything. But there's been a lot of purging in the church. And, and the church has really been built on some of the wrong things maybe in the last 10 or 20 years. And pastors wake up and they realize that they weren't as healthy as they thought pastors thought that they you know they were building things and they were they were building their churches on what they thought was going to make them happy but did you know that there is no thing that can make you happy right? You can't, you can't paint a room and make the church better. You can't buy a better drum set and make the church better. You can't put better lights in and make the church better. The church is about Jesus and it's about the spirit of God. And somehow in the last, you know, couple of decades, we've gotten into this whole image thing with churches and with social media and Instagram. And I know that we all do it to a degree, but you know, it's, uh, everything began to fall apart and pastors woke up one day and they were like, what have I built my church on? And they couldn't figure out why their church didn't come back after the pandemic. And, 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 and admittedly, a lot of ours ha- our people haven't come back either, but you wake up and you go, man, what was I actually building on? My point in saying this is that, that pastors have been through a lot. And I'm telling you, Matt and Amber have been through a lot. They have, I have talked to Matt no less than 25 times phone calls in the last season where he and I have talked, well, what do I do here? And, you know, we pray about this. We talk about the finances. Are you people coming back? What's Albuquerque like as opposed to Denver and, and how, you know, how do you navigate all of those things? It has wore us all out. Um, when Matt and Amber got through this season, they had a mandate from the Lord because they were tired and a little bit beat up, not because of you, but because of just the whole last three years, their, their mandate was, without an answer on the other side, we have to get our church through the pandemic. And financially, because God has provided a way to bless the church financially to get you out from any under any kind of a mortgage, and Matt being a very savvy, he's a very savvy business guy, Matt was able to say, my mandate is to get the church through the pandemic and then also get the church out from under a mortgage but because Matt was so tired in the same way that I was it's hard to look and go man but I can see five years from now this is where we're going to be and uh it was a very difficult time but Matt knew what his mandate was his mandate was get through the pandemic and get the church financially free okay through all of that there have been some other circumstances however uh, Matt and, and Amber have been through some other pressures as well. Uh, number three, uh, I want to f- I try to explain it like this. Pressure reveals priorities. Pressure reveals priorities. I think of it like in a marriage. When your marriage is under pressure, let's say you go to counseling for your marriage... You sit down with a counselor, and the counselor will always bring you back to what is the most important thing. Like, what is the most important thing for your marriage? What is the most important thing for your household? Let's get back to what really matters, and let's talk about that, and let's remove all of the other uh, discussions and emotions from it all, because pressure reveals what your true priorities. One of the main things that has happened during the last three years— that this immense pressure has brought to Matt and Amber is it's caused them to assess their lives. It's caused them to assess their strength. It's caused them to, to do an assessment of their calling, right? Uh, I think of the verse in 2 Corinthians, and I've, I've always looked at this verse because I feel this sometimes in my own life. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28, apart from all those other external things. So this is the Apostle Paul, and he's talking about all these messes that are going on, and he's like, and on top of all of these other things that are happening, there's also the daily pressure on me for the church. Matt and Amber began to assess the external things and the pressures of the church, and What their own calling is, and what Matt and Amber have discovered for them is that their priority in the next season of their life is going to be business. It's going to be business, and you know they've they've done business for a long time. Matt is actually really good at it. He's better than me. I was always jealous. He always found a way. I always found a way to make a little extra money. You know, I don't have that gift. I have a way to give my money away, you know, it's like, I'm giving, he's making, I'm like, how do you do that, you know, and he laughs, it's so effortless for him, in a sense, but, but they have been carrying both the church and the business, now, by the way, um, this business side of pastors is, is, is very common, it's not uncommon at all, Matter of fact, more than half of my pastor friends are bivocational. That's what we call it. They're bivocational, which means they're pastors, but they also have another job. Um, For Matt, it's been a number of things. For, For my wife and I, our bivocational piece was was music, some of her music stuff, and then me traveling to preach, you know. So if we needed extra money for the family, you know, I would take a couple of speaking engagements and we'd have a couple of honorariums, you know, get the kids to camp and all that kind of stuff. And, and, but for Matt, it, it was business. And this isn't uncommon. The problem, one of the problems is that his side hustle exploded. That's the problem, you know. How many of you would like your business to explode? Come on, right? Let's just, like, we're trying to be normal here today, right? I know it's a transition talk, but, like, let's be normal. How many of you would like to just make a lot more money next week? Let's just, (laughs) it's not unspiritual, y'all, I promise. I promise you it's not unspiritual, okay? I mean, Matt's little side hustle went from, hey, let's do a few inspections. Because I was actually with him when he was starting this business. I was actually in conversations with him. Like, the week that he started, he was actually in Denver and we were talking about it. And he was so excited. And then all of a sudden, Matt's business is he's the he has the top home appraisal company in like three states. He just won two national awards. They're they're exploding everywhere. You know what I mean? And 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 the hard part is is that that but the hard part is that okay, now I hope if any of you work for him, I don't know if any of you do. so I want to be careful here, but like if, if I have a business and you work for me and you don't do a good job, or, you know, if, if things change, we just shake hands, we high-five, we are, you know you know what I mean? Like, you're fired, I love you, but I love you, you're gone. That's business. In the church, you carry the heart and spirit relationships, spiritual gifts, thoughts, understanding, experiences, family, children of every single person in the congregation. And And whether you work here or don't work here, because ministry is not based on a... a a widget that you make in a factory and you send it out, or an appraisal that's a piece of paper that you write on and you stamp it with a note of Republic and it's over and you forget about it. You don't forget relationships. And you you don't sweep relationships under the floor. And when things are tough in the church and the world goes crazy, you think about every person and every relationship that you have, and it's a lot of pressure. And there are certain times and seasons where some people just decide, I have been under pressure for a long time, and the pressure of doing two things, carrying the church, but also having a successful company, is too much. And can I just tell you, it would be too much for anybody to bear. It really would. At a certain point, you have to say, no, I've got to choose. I remember quite a while ago, actually, Matt saying to me in in a conversation, just casually, that maybe one day he would have to choose. He flourishes at what he's doing. And, you know, Amber's quite a stud. You know what I mean? She's, that girl, she could build anything. You know what I mean? That girl. You know, if you're building a company and you've got Amber behind you, it's kind of a recipe for success, you know? She's just so good at, at everything. Um, so they have had pressure. But in that pressure, they have found some priorities that have been <laughs> revealed so here we are and in those priorities Matt and Amber um, they've been burning the candle at both ends now I don't know if any of you here in this room have ever experienced burnout and I mean burnout in a very sincere way not like you're tired I don't know is anybody just tired right now it's spiritual, too. Come on, somebody. Anybody just tired? That's not the same as experiencing burnout. There, there, are, there are five basic stages to burnout. I don't want to go through those today. But between stage three and stage four, there's this moment where it goes from, it goes from philosophical, like maybe I need to take a few days off to clinical, and I'm, and I'm in a bad spot. And Pastor Matt has been burning the candles at both ends for so long all the way through the last three years of the pandemic, trying to get through, he actually crossed over a line in his personal health. His health has been a huge issue for the last season. He has a hard time sleeping at night. He comes in on Sundays, very, very like worn out, very tired. Um, It's affecting him physically And how many of you know that true burnout, the real burnout, affects you in every sense of your being? Physical, spiritual, and emotional. And then it spills out. If you don't do something about it, it actually spills out into the people that are around you. So if you have a business and a church, it spills out into your employees. If you have a church, it spills out into your church. And then people around you start to notice, man, this guy is, he's tired. It's affecting everybody spiritually, emotionally, physically in every way. And you can't can't hide that for very long. You can't go for a long time and not have that impact you. So Matt is in that place. Uh, The pressure has taken its toll on him. He's tired. He's tired. He's burned out, uh, and he needs to get physically, emotionally, and spiritually healthy. Now, I'm going to pause right there. How many of you want that for your pastor? Come on. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, That's what we want. I mean, that's the goal. That is the goal. There's just no other way around it. I mean, a beautiful, wonderful, spiritual people who love Jesus. I mean, this is how we're supposed to feel. We want that. We want that for them. We want them to be healthy and strong and feeling good. But there's just no way uh, to turn that around right now the way, the way that it is. So I, I love to go fishing. I don't know if any, any of you are fisher people. Um, one day I had a friend of mine. We, we went fishing. I'll make this short. But we went fishing, and it was really cold one night. It was really cold. We were up in the mountains. And uh, my battery died my battery died. And so we got a jump. I took it into a Les Schwab the next morning down, down the road about 30 miles, you know. And and I said, I said, hey, how's my battery? And I'll never forget what he said to me because it's, it's actually one of the gauges that I've used for my own life in the last three years coming through this last season. Because I had to be very careful. He said to me, he goes, listen, he goes, yeah, your battery's done. And I said, okay, why? He goes, because If a battery gets low enough, it won't ever come back again. So your battery, if it gets so low to a certain point, it actually can't come back to where it was, and so something has to change. For Pastor Matt, he's gotten so tired and so low, and he's crossed over into the clinical part of burnout and tiredness in a good way. Like, he loves you. He loves the church. He loves the business. But it's a, it's a different deal. So now he's saying, I have to make this change. I don't know if I can come back, and I believe that this is the will of God. So, okay, well, then number four, let's talk for a second about Matt, Amber, and the family. Man, I love this family. You know what I mean? I love these guys. Don't you love them? I mean, don't you just, I mean, you think about it. He's done such a great job. Man, and there will come a time where we'll celebrate them properly uh, down the road here but let's talk about their family just for a second and and what we're thinking. Uh, First Timothy chapter five, verse eight, Matt told me, he says, look, my responsibility is to provide for my family. This is what I'm doing. And we all know this verse. If someone is not providing for their own relatives, especially their their own household, then they're denying their faith. In other words, they're denying what God has called them to do. So now Matt, with this issue of if I don't pursue the business to make a shift in my life am I actually denying what God has called me to do so then Matt begins to align himself with what he believes his calling is Okay, because in this last season uh, their family has been affected I just want to say a couple of things first of all uh, they have pastored their hearts out and we owe them a great debt of gratitude we really do What they've done to get the church where it's out, and and all the financial pieces, and to bring it through the pandemic, and then just loving all of you, and pastoring all of you, they're incredible. Uh, I've noticed something, I I notice things in churches, it's what I do, but the fact that there are such great leaders around this church, you know, Jeff was giving me little updates of the conversations, and just the fact that there are such incredible leaders here is a testimony to Matt and Amber and their leadership. You know, I'll go I'll go to some churches and the pastor is really dynamic. But the leadership team is a mess and people are jealous and people argue. And, no, and it's just not here, man. You guys you guys are spiritual. You're balanced. You have faith. That's a testimony to, to their leadership. Um, at this season of their life, they are going to do everything that they can do to rest. We're going to ask them to take some time off. Matt's business in a pla- is in a place where he can actually be gone for uh, short seasons of time and the business will be fine. Um, we're going to ask them to rest. Uh, Matt's actually going to be going to a, a counseling center, uh, that, uh, one that I've been to myself, uh, for pastors who experience burnout. He's going to be coming over to Colorado and spending some time just with a a, a couple of counselors that we know that their only job is to work with pastors in transition. That's all they do. And uh, he's going to come over there, and, and, you know, Matt's a very busy guy. You know, he's always moving. I'm not sure how he's going to do just sitting there, you know. I said, Matt, how does it sound to just sit in a room and just talk to people? He says, it sounds like hell, Pastor Doug, but I can do it, you know. (laughs) I said, you can do it. I, I believe in you. Just sit. Because I did it. It was hard. It, it, because the counseling piece isn't as hard as just not being able to go anywhere. You know, you just, you just sit there. But he's going to come over and he's going to do a little self-imposed uh, intervention and, and kind of jump into slowing down. One of the things with burnout that happens is that if, if something doesn't intervene and stop, if there isn't a shift, then you go to some of those next stages. Um, and, and those, those can be very dangerous in, in your spirit, your heart, and your body. So they're going to do that. Um, one other thing I, I think it's important for you to know is that they are surrounded by a really great transition team. Like there's a group of people around Matt and Amber that are am- just amazing. And, and that group of people, um, I, think I'm, I think I, I was going to mention it to you. I'll, I'll, mention, I'll mention it now, though. But, you know, Jeff, he, Jeff's a pretty good guy. You know what do you guys think, Jeff? Come on. Jeff Lance, appreciate you. Um, and also the the apostle of apostles over here, Pastor Steve Williams. Appreciate you. They have a great team around them. And I know that many of you many of you uh, know Pastor Jess Strickland. Uh, Pastor Jess Strickland is on that team. And yeah, just clap for him because he's pro- he might be listening. Don't be insecure, Pastor Jess. They love you too. And then another wonderful pastor from here in Albuquerque, his name is Alan Hawkins, and Alan Hawkins is actually on that team as well. Um, This is the group of people, these are the overseers that are working with Matt and Amber to make sure that that they have all that they need. Um, The church will be putting together a a very generous transition package for them. And I say that because I believe in generosity. And I believe that, that you're never going to go wrong with being more generous. You're just not. So we're going to make sure that we bless them. Uh, and they aren't going to just be left out there after this alone trying to figure out what they're doing. This team of people is there to walk them through their, their, their family stuff. Their health, their spirits, and this is going to go on, right? So the church is supporting them and helping them with that. And then, then there will be. Uh, th- we need to have a party. Come on, I, I hope you guys like the party. Uh, um, I think there's just nothing more healing and wonderful and supportive than having a big party, you know. Uh, and so these guys are going to be talking about when that should be sometime, not 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 too long, you know, in the near future, where we just hang out with them and just love on them and. And say thank you to them and, and tell them how amazing they are. Uh, and so, so Matt and Amber have been on a journey. They have been through quite a bit in the last three years. They've restructured some of their priorities in a very sincere way. Now I want to say this too. Matt And I have talked a lot about his calling. I mean, a lot. I couldn't even, I mean, into the hours, you guys. Literally into the hours where he very sincerely was like, man, if I can't take the church forward, if I'm not the guy, he's like, I got to get out of the way. He's like, because I want the church to grow. I want the church to have life. If I'm the lid, we've talked about his calling so much. He is absolutely, without a doubt, just so Excited and in love with this church, but his priorities before God and what his calling is, he's made a very sincere, prayerful shift with that. So they've they had some priorities revealed. Um, their family is going to get some great support uh, during the transition with a great team. And I don't want to go too long because there's a lot to say, and it'll be it'll be said in the weeks to come. Um let's talk just briefly about the future of the church because I want to submit this to you because we know that God is in control. Matter of fact, can we just say that out loud? God is in control. Come on, and if you believe that, say amen. He, he really is, right? He is totally in control. And I love this verse in Psalms uh, 32, verse 8. It says this, I will instruct you and teach you in the way, everyone say way, Okay, and the way you should go, I will counsel you and keep my eye on you. This is a great transition verse because we really do need the Lord to guide and and lead the leadership for the future of the church. God has his eye on you. In other words, you're not hidden or forgotten, and neither is Matt. God's eye. Matter of fact, right now, God is looking down from heaven and he's got his eye on you. And he's going, Oh, you guys need to get ready. Get ready. Get ready because God is a forward God. He's not a backward God. In other words, if if the leadership is sincere and they have character and integrity, and if people want to see other people get saved, now I know this is gonna be a shock to you, but some people don't ever talk about people getting saved. You know what I mean? Like they just love it's like us, us, 124 and no more. No, I'm like, no, let's let's see what God wants to do with you. He's a forward God, okay? His eye is on you, he sees your faith. He's going to take you in the way that you should go, and he's going to teach you, and he's going to instruct us through this entire thing. It's a great verse for transition, and so I want to—I want to just give you a very brief pastoral structure for the house, okay? Because I will play a very strategic role in that, uh, but I don't live here, you know. I don't live here. I mean, I'm I'm happy to come down and eat some incredible Mexican food. Let's be super honest right now. I know I, I I think I think I'm hungry. That's the issue. Why I keep thinking about this. But um so you you have you have a board, you have elders, then you have overseers inside of that group. Uh, Jeff Lance, this handsome anointed man of God. Wow, you got really excited when I said handsome. <laughs> I'm glad you guys are not sitting together right now. We might have to pull you apart. Um, Jeff Lance uh, is going to be the interim pastor for the church. Okay, he's going to take on the pastoral responsibilities for the church. So, like, you can't have overseers who don't live here try to pastor, and you just can't, can't do it. You have to have somebody who knows the people who has history, I didn't know this, but I guess he's been here since he basically came out of the womb. I found that out in the last week or two. Um, and uh, they have to be here, they have to know the people, they have to have integrity and character, right? And, and, and I, I want to say something about Jeff, because in the last couple of weeks, I've really discovered something, okay? There is a difference between, and Paul actually talks about this, there is a difference between her- integrity, and I want to tell you the difference. Character, we can look at someone's character, and we talk about the character of God, and it goes back to Genesis. But like, do they lie? Do they cheat? Do they steal? Blah, blah, blah All those kinds of things. You know, Jeff doesn't do that. That's not where I'm going, okay? Um, <laughs> this character. But, but integrity is something different. And, and Paul deals with this when he actually has, when in his relationship with Mark, and in his relationship with some of the other apostles and with his spiritual son, Timothy. But integrity is actually a building term. And it's the same term in the Greek. So it's like, does that have integrity? In other words, will it hold? What is the integrity of the building? What is the integrity of the platform? Quick story. Uh, my wife and I, oh gosh, I hear my wife's voice. Stay focused, Pastor Doug. Uh, she is not here. However, so um, when, when my wife and I were in youth ministry, when we were in youth ministry, We took youth choirs all over the place. Now, that was back in the 90s, okay? So some of you old school people know what I'm talking about. You know, the youth group went on tours, right? Okay, so, but we had a big youth group. So I took 90 teenagers on a choir tour. And my wife's a musician. She sings. You might know that. She does all this stuff. So that was like her dream. So we go on this choir tour. We go down to California to this church. They said, bring your youth down and sing for us, and we'll do an outreach. So they've got choir risers on the platform. And my wife, you know, she, she had said to me, hey, there's this one little girl. She's a middle schooler. She's the youngest kid on the team. Can we bring her? I was like, absolutely. She's the sweetest thing. That girl is a tiny little slice of heaven. Like, she is the nicest, sweetest. You know what I mean? Like, like almost perfect. You know, you're like, I love that 12-year-old. She is just incredible. Bring her along, okay? So the choir risers were up on this platform, it was at Kitley's Church, by the way, just for reference for you. And all of our kids start to file onto the platform to sing this song. This is this old Kirk Franklin song and a uh, little gospel tune, right? And everybody moves a little bit, you know. And 89 people got on the, on the risers. What we didn't know is that one of the legs in the risers was bent, and it could handle 89 kids, and then this little 12-year-old girl (laughs) with a huge smile on her face, you know what I mean, she got to go, and you know, she steps up onto the platform, and she just kind of bounces up the last person, and as she did, I saw the whole, the whole riser thing move a little bit in the front row, and I was like, that was odd and then out of nowhere the the leg bent and snapped and when that happened all of them snapped and 90 teenagers came falling off it was fun too because it's fun because they didn't just fall because the front one kind of went first so it went collapse collapse Collapse, And so they all went forward and did somersaults. If you've never seen 90 teenagers do forward somersaults all at the same time and then fall off the front of a, of a platform at a church, it is the best thing you will ever see. You will never forget it for the rest of your life. And as long as no one's seriously injured, it's a good story. The problem was there was one leg where the, the integrity of it was compromised. So integrity means how much weight can you handle before you break? In the Bible, Paul talks about integrity. How much can you handle before you break? I just want to say something about this man right here. I have discovered he a lot. He has the ability to carry a lot of weight. He really does. He has character and he has integrity. The kind of integrity that you need to be a pillar that is uncompromised in the middle of a transition. So I am very blessed and very honored to have been spending some time with this man. So he's going to do a great job. Please give him a big round of applause, okay? Well then, so what do I do? Like, who am I then? Like, what's my role? I want a name. Um, Give me a title. You know, give me something Greek. Sounds so important. I'm never here, but I have something Greek. Um, So what we're going to do is he's going to be the the lead pastor. He's going to be the pastoral voice. I'm going to be the senior pastor. Senior pastor, for me, it means I'm going to be the transitional leadership voice along with the overseers. So an example of how that is already working is I think Jeff and I have literally talked almost every day. I don't know, every day, every other day, on the phone, text messages, and... Jeff is such a good question asker, and he's such a hungry, you know, like, like what's the best way to do this? And, and so my role is going to be to help, to kind of be that senior ministry person, you know, having done a lot of transitions in churches and walked churches through this, um, so that I can, I can be a help and a voice along with the other overseers. Uh, I will, for the next 90 days be making most of the final decisions. In other words, in other words, some of the big decisions have to, have to come back to me, which really means that I just, I just say yes to everything Jeff tells me. That's the bottom line, okay? <laughs> but, but at the same time, there is something very, very uh, strong, very, um, I don't know what the word is, it's, it's very comforting. It's not the word, but, but I think that, that there is a lot of wisdom in more than one or two or three people. And I'm going to be that person kind of helping and making decisions along the way because I have done this quite a few times. And then you'll have the overseer team, which I discussed to you. So um, I don't want you to get in a hurry. This is, this is and I'm going to start to wrap up here, but I don't want you to get in a hurry uh, with the future. Like who's going to be the pastor? Who's the future? Um, it's unhealthy. It's actually not a good thing to get ahead of God. Yeah. I know somebody giggled at my eyes, my, somebody, because, I, because I've done that. It's not a good thing to get ahead of God. What you have to remember is that God's eye is on you. And what you want is you want to have the right pastors at the right time um, in the right way. And so we really want God to lead. Now, the reason why it doesn't have to be quick is because you do have a great board, elders overseers. You've got Jeff. You've got me. Um, and our church, because of our proximity, um, we will be serving you in any way possible. Okay, now you may you may not notice that on some Sundays, but you might. Um, if there's anything that we can do, especially now, here's this crazy here's this crazy thing about you people right now. You don't have a building anymore. Yeah, and most people would cry at that statement. But if you want to clap, that's okay. You can go ahead and cheer. You don't have a building. <laughs> so technically, as of Friday, this place doesn't belong to you anymore. Um, now, if you were just a renter in somebody's rental home, we could just trash it and then leave. But um, <laughs> well, we're Christians, so we won't do that. <laughs> Some of you landlords know what I mean. Um, so you have a you have a... You have an exciting future in terms of property. Uh, I haven't seen the property that y'all are looking at uh, or that you're going to buy. I, ha- I haven't seen it. I'm going to try to go buy there tomorrow morning on my, my way out of town. But I'm really excited for you. One of the things that we can do is we can help in the transition with the property. In other words... Um, And I'm trying to make this as practical as I can. You know, it's obviously, there are different layers. It's much deeper than this. But for instance, when you go into a new property, we have a checklist with about 220 items. And I'm going to give you the checklist, you know, so that you can, over the next several weeks or months, begin to check those things off and and, and make sure, like like a big thing on that checklist is going to be, um, we have to move. Do you know what I mean? Like, we have to move. That means that all of you, all of you are going to have to come in here, and there's going to be a couple of big trucks out in the parking lot at some point, and we're going we're gonna to take everything out of this building that's not nailed down. Come on, somebody. If it, it, and, if, and if they don't want it, and we can sell it on Facebook Marketplace, we're going to make some money on it. You know what I mean? Like, like we're going to have to got to move. Like, every cable, every speaker, every light, every one of those things on the wall that soaks up sound. Do you know what I mean? Everything back there has got to go. Everything in every room has to be put in a truck. It's just like, your, so that's an item on the checklist, but it's a big one. The next one would be, you know, we haven't talked about this, but one of the things we can do is have our audiovisual people come down in their cars and just help set up your new building because we just have people who are really good at that, and they've done it a lot, uh, some of the best in the business. And they will come down here, and we won't charge anything, maybe 100000 uh, for a weekend or, <laughs> no, it's all free. No, we're just, we're all family. So they're going to come down and help us Because Jeff, you know, Jeff's like, we have people, you know, it's a new place. So maybe there's ways that we can serve you because of our proximity. And it could be anything or it could be nothing. But that's what we're going to do. So there will be a transition. Technically, that, that transition with me is 90 days. I have 90 days that I'm going to walk with Jeff and the, and the leaders through this. That could be shorter it could be longer. But again, we don't want to get ahead of God, and we also don't want to get behind God. But we also have a lot of work to do because y'all don't have a building anymore. Okay? You have one, but the papers haven't been signed. Right? So we don't want to be stuck having church at a Starbucks. Not that that would be horrible for one Sunday, but you know what I'm saying. Like, we got to get you there. Okay? Um, I want to leave you with one last verse this morning. And that verse is Ephesians chapter 3, verse 21. And as I sit here, and I have Pastor Steve Williams here on my right, your left, Matt is one of my best friends who I love dearly, and we're going to be friends forever, and I just, you know, we've just been close. Matt's actually been the closest person proximity-wise to me This in the same way that I am to you. Most of my friends were on the East Coast or the West Coast, but there, aren't a, there weren't a lot of MFI churches, as you know, Pastor Steve, in the Midwest. There just weren't a lot. Matt's been really close to me, so... I have Steve here, and I'm thinking about Pastor Matt. And we know that transitions are a part of life. We know that they're, they're, that God transitions are God uses them to take the church forward. We get that. I love this verse. To him be the glory in the church. Now, if you've never, I, this would be a great, here's, here's a great little just a devotional thought for you if you need something to read. Read. Start reading through Ephesians. Get through chapter 3 because Ephesians has some powerful things to say about the church and what's available to the church and the power of the church and the tools and the weapons for the church. I mean, Ephesians is powerful, right? Uh, and I love this. To him be the glory in the church. How many of you want God's glory to be seen in the church? That's the goal. I'm telling you. And, by the way, it's not just for one generation. Look what it says. And in Christ Jesus to all what? Generations. So this church is about to go into its third generation, whatever that looks like. And generations are not just about father, passing it to son, passing it to son. No. No, generations means that, that you know, you've got one group of people that are responsible. The church, the church is, um, in my family, we, everybody's a musician, right? So... My my daughter, my, my wife and my daughter play the violin. Um, and here's here's one of those lessons that I learned, you know, marrying a violin player, which is a whole another counseling thing for me, like why I need counseling. Because <laughs> like there's like there's a few instruments that if people are gonna play them in your home, you need prayer, you know, like one is drums, one is violin, one's trumpet. But I have all of them. Okay. But one of the lessons I learned. Is that a really good violin, a true violin, no one ever owns it. You only get to be a steward over it while you have it. And then you pass it on to the next person. And the dream and the goal is that the next person, the next generation, takes as much love and care for that violin as you did. Because now they're stewards over it. The church is like a violin. We only get to steward over it. We don't own it. And it's on its third generation. And it's going to be awesome. It's going to be to, to, the, to the glory of God in the church, to the next generation. And God's going to move powerfully. Can I hear an amen? Okay. All right. Now, at this time, I'm going to have, I'm going to have uh, Jeff. And you have to forgive me. I know you said don't do this. But, like, I, at least while you're the interim pastor, I have to refer to you as pastor. Okay. And what Jeff really wanted was for me to call him bishop. But I said, listen, settle down. Just settle down, okay. Let's not let this go to your head, all right? Um, but I'm gonna have to refer to you as pastor while well, you're in pastor. But Pastor Jeff's gonna come, and he actually has a letter from Matt and Amber that he's gonna read. And then Pastor Steve and I come back up to the platform, and we're gonna close with prayer, okay? You go for it.
0: I was thinking Pope is what I was. Thinking. Lord Jeff, yes. Lord, Lord Dr. Jeff. I actually have a certificate that says Lord. Uh, I have a five square foot piece of land in Scotland that, that we paid for. And so I'm a Lord of that little five foot square. So I'm Lord Dr. Jeff. <laughs> so this is from Matt and Amber. First off, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being a faithful part of our amazing church family. Thank you for always being so generous and loving, not only to one another, but also to our community and to our city. We have done some amazing things together and we are so proud of the way that you always step, to up, step up to work hard and provide for others. Even through the most difficult times, you come together and make personal sacrifices to care for and show love to each other. You are truly remarkable. And finally, we want to say thank you for being such a big part of our family's lives over the past 25 years. Some of you might remember Matt when he was just a young man, with hair nonetheless, moving to Albuquerque to help his family with the church. Some of you watched him as he played drums every Sunday morning on the worship team, a teenage boy's dream. Some of you were here with us on our wedding day, celebrating right alongside as we started our new life together. Some of you cheered us on as we took on the role of young youth pastors, even when we made rookie mistakes with your teenagers. Some of you watched us as we grew our family, one daughter at a time. You maybe even changed their diapers in the nursery. Thank you for that, by the way. (laughs) Others of you prayed and stood with us as we transitioned into the senior pastor role, and you believed in us and you encouraged us when we needed it the most. You have loved us and supported us every step of our journey here And we are so grateful for each and every one of you. We love this church and everyone in it. Resigning from the church has been a very difficult decision for us. But after months, almost even a year of prayer and seeking the Lord, we believe it is the right time. God called us to serve in this position six years ago. But we knew even then that it would only be a temporary assignment. So we jumped in and started working hard on the things that God was asking us to do impossible things like give away our entire Easter offering to support the city's largest outreach event, like open a for-profit business in the back of our property to help support the church's mission, like successfully carry the church through a global pandemic that would shut down thousands of churches all over the country, and even like selling the church building to the city of Albuquerque to help make a positive impact in our community. But as you know, Life happens in seasons, and we believe God is now releasing us from our assignment here with you. And he is asking us to take on new challenges with our family and in our business. Although it is extremely hard for us to say goodbye, we are also so excited to see what amazing things God has planned for the church. We will look forward to being able to celebrate with you and please know that we are cheering you on every step of the way.
1: Come on. Will you all stand with me today. And, uh, let's uh, let's close in prayer again. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your faithfulness, because Lord, even when we don't know our way, you know where it is we're going. You're a faithful God. I pray that you would bless Matt and Amber and the girls, that you would watch over them, love them, and this next season for them is gonna be the best, strongest, healthiest, exciting season of their lives because you're in control, Jesus. And we just love you. We love you and we're grateful for the six, almost seven years of pastoral ministries, the lead pastors that they gave the church. We pray that today that you would fill them with hope, fill them with joy, fill them with strength, fill them with excitement. I pray, Lord, that you would bless them above and beyond all that they could ask or think. I pray, Lord, that you would come down and that you would surround them and help them in this transition in a way that that they feel so loved and appreciated and cared for. And I'm grateful, Father, that you, you have a good plan for them just like you have a good plan for the church. And so today we say the glory to God in the church to the next generation. And we thank you, Father, for the future and what you're gonna do. I pray that you would watch over this body. I pray that you would watch over the church in a time of transition with properties and leaders. Those times when the enemy comes in, we just say to the enemy, you will not get a foothold here. You will not bring any accusations or weird uh, strategies into this. Transitions are the most vulnerable times of anything. And we just pray that you would pour out your spirit, Lord. Watch over this whole process. I pray that each day that goes by, we would all feel your presence. And I pray for this house, that you would bless it above and beyond all they could ask or think god i pray that the next season would be a time of anointing and the presence of jesus and people getting saved i pray father that there would be kids in the kids church that coming under the the anointing of the holy spirit i pray for the teenagers and the youth that you would bless them i pray lord for this house that you would pour out your spirit on it and we are grateful today lord we have grateful hearts we have grateful spirits. Jesus, we love you. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. We give you all the honor. In the name of Jesus, come on. And everybody said amen and clap your hands. Okay, can you do that? There was-